You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver Media Podcast. True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Well, hello, kids, and welcome to season number three and episode number 41 of the Not Quite Daily Beaver Morning Show. For those moments when you want to get your winter's day started off right with a nice big bowl of piping hot beaver grizzly goodness, Mm -hmm. we got some for you, steaming hot. Today, recording day is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023, and it's yet again going to be an unseasonably warm day with temperatures above zero and some precipitation here at the Beaver Lodge. I'm your host, the eager beaver, pronouns he, him, hey, Mr. Beaver, eh? And oh, how I missed you on Monday, dear kids. I had a wonderful time in Quebec City, but I'm sure glad to be back in your company. Good morning, uh, Kit uh, Lacey Sunday with Wade and Doe. Good morning, Kit Linda M. Uh, good morning, Kit Cal Triple L. That's a new name for us, so welcome. Uh, welcome, Nona. Lovely to see you. Uh, and uh, yeah, welcome everybody else who's joining us either live or joining us on other platforms or listening to us uh, after the fact. We appreciate the gift of your attention. Of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast founding sponsors, The Pepper Master, The Misfee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and CanadianTarot.com. Uh, we thank them for their support, and we see that Kit Jen and Kit Southlands TFC, which is also a new name for us, have joined us this morning on the chat. Good morning to you, and welcome. Um, before we need to go any further, we first have to take some time to say hello to this podcast's fine co-host. Good morning, Mr. Grizzly. How's your mental health today? Good morning, Mr. Beaver. Um, mental health. I have it. <laughs> oh. Yes. It's, uh, I mean, I'm in a state of depression. I can't help it. Um, I'm not unhappy. Uh, don't get me wrong, and I'm not feeling the uh, absolute despair that that depression often brings. But I'm definitely 
uh, zero energy and short fuse. So, yeah, you can see by the Chiron on the rolling Chiron on the bottom how I felt when I started to load things up this morning. To say that I'm in a crusty mood about a whole drug fraud, our Premier of Ontario would be an understatement. Mm-hmm, yeah. I got that. I, I listened to the Wednesday show on the way back, on the Monday show on the way back, and I was worried about you a little bit. It happens, you know. I, the, I well, it was, it was a little dark. Well, it was it was Blue Monday, right? And uh, it's yeah. whether, you know, I know it's a marketing ploy by a travel company in the UK, but there's some realism to it, you know. I thought I'd start off this morning with something uh, light, though. This is a video from Brittle Starts, 54 seconds. It's worth your watch if you haven't seen it. It perfectly sums up our current state of affairs in the province of Ontario. Your health care is important. You want to make sure you and your loved ones receive the best health care you can afford. And hopefully you can afford it. Our new decadent health care plan puts you and your family's needs at the front of the line unless someone else offers us more money, in which case, back of the line, hobo. <laughs> Just kidding, don't worry. If you can't afford our decadent plan, you can try our new Memories of Healthcare. For one low-ish fee a month, you can get an appointment with someone who looks like a doctor, but talks suspiciously like a vet. Can't afford that? <laughs> try our No Frills and No Pills plan. That's where you get to ask any of our supermarket or drugstore cashiers across the country, does this look normal to you? Oh. Almost forgot. Break two legs this month and earn 50 shareholders' choice bonus points. Private health care. The sicker you get, the richer we get. Your health care is important. And, you want to make. You know, Stuart Brittlestar always seems to just put that perfect button on it, right? He sums it yeah. up in a comedic way but lets the rage through at the same time. It's not something I've mastered because I can certainly laugh at and enjoy every aspect and every second of that video because it was funny and it had factual-ish information in there. But I've just been raging for the last two days um, over the fact that, well, you know, we're, we're about to build a bunch of private healthcare surgery facilities with public funds so private for-profit funded by the public purse i call that corporate welfare why don't they just build public hospitals for the public you'll never mm -hmm. take your credit card out except you know normally in a hospital if you go in for surgery unless it's something like heart surgery they usually check you in and out the same day correct I've never had heart surgery. Okay. I don't know anybody. Not heart so. surgery, but I mean day surgery. Many surgeries these yeah, days, surgery, yes. you're in and out the same day. Yes. yes. Uh, something tells me these private clinics are going to, you know, OHIP will cover the surgery, but we need you to stay here for a couple of days because, you know, we need to observe you. How much is that going to cost you? Is mm -hmm. your is your uh, insurance benefit package that you pay for through your employer going to cover it? Maybe, maybe a semi-private room or something to that effect, but really? I mean... Welcome to upselling. This is what it is. This is exactly what it is. The sicker you get, the richer we get. I know that's not their actual slogan, but come on. Come on. I mean... Yeah. yeah. It, 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 um, I'm enraged. 
Yeah. Now, unfortunately, uh, kids, I don't have much to say about this because I have not been able to listen to the announcements because I took a weekend off and was good to myself. Uh, and I like to be able to uh, sometimes, well, you know, sometimes I come up with things for you like, you know, three or four days after or a week after. So I have time to listen to stuff from various, uh, various sites and then bring you a composite picture rather than just reacting to the day's news. Um, so I don't really have much to add on it at the moment. Uh, but uh, obviously there's a, um, how would you put it, working on many levers because you know, we're allowing uh, certain things that were covered as fees, like for example, the pharmacy mm-hmm. uh, calling your doctor to get your prescription renewed if you had ran out. Um, there's now an outward fee for that in Ontario, at least, of $15. Which um, there didn't used the to 13, be. That didn't used to be. That's new. So that's, you know, convenient. So the appearance of convenience fees. Um, then we're looking at the 13 ailments for which you can get a prescription directly at the pharmacy, which again, doesn't cost you money out of the pocket. Um, but it's money that is now going towards the pharmacies rather than your medical professional whether your OHIP card is swiped. And in this case, again, when we're having, uh, you know, um, uh, public funding for for profit and private institutions, that's money coming out of the public system. Uh, when we're refusing to give nurses more than one percent uh, per year, but are willing to pay four times the price of a nurse by going through an agency, and remember, that's more money that. and remember. The suspicious nepotism-like fact of who owns a lot of those staffing agencies. Oh, yep. that's right. Former Premier Mike Harris's wife. Yeah. So it does seem to be that the step here for conservative governments who apparently say that they want less bureaucracy, less government in your life, is making sure that there's a middleman at every point in the system yeah. that has the palm out. So it's more like Palm View healthcare. Well, and don't forget, he cut a billion dollars from the healthcare budget this year and a billion dollars from the education budget. So you know what's coming next, right? But that's on purpose, right? That was to manufacture this crisis situation yep. that then allows them to say, oh, we have a solution. It's funneling more of your private money towards profit. Breaks and he's the doing public. the same thing on education. Yeah, break the public system so he can parachute in the private system as a rescue. Yep. Fuck you, Doug. Fuck no, you. No, 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 no. We need to stop that. I'm pissed, man. I know we, we need, need to, to stop it, but I am we, beyond I don't want to angry. be that type of show. I don't want to be the rage show. I'm raging right now, though. I know I you don't want that, and I don't want it either, but I'm at the, my wit's end right now. I'm at my wit's end with this guy. Like, seriously, this has been adding to my depression the last few days. I'm not joking when I say this. It's occupied so much of my brain space. And all I'm thinking is there are so many people that are going to suffer horribly under this system. There's people already suffering right now. Hallway medicine, people waiting 9, 10, 12, 14 hours to get in to see a doctor in the hospital. Yep. And as we mentioned on our previous show, people dying in the ERs. Nova Scotia's had the most number of patients dying in the ER this year than in and it's Lord all under conservative governments. Yeah. All in conservative governments that prove that, you know, promised that they would write in to either help healthcare or didn't campaign on any of the things they're doing at all, as is the case in Ontario. It's, 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 it's really, really, it's creating an issue for me mentally. I'm going to have to take some time away from the internet for a few days just to regain my senses 
because the more I read about this, the more enraged I get. And then I read things like, like, like this, uh, and, and it makes me question. Hospital CEOs won't do surgeries in the evening times or weekends. Ford Nation is scared of them, so he wouldn't go that way. Rather turn healthcare like housing, unaffordable and forever out of reach for the lowest income groups. I don't know if that is true. But it seems interesting. And then we get this comment. Critics, our hospitals are full and we have massive surgery backlogs. Ford, okay, we'll open more publicly funded surgery clinics to take the load off hospitals. Critics, no, you're destroying public health care. Except they're publicly funded for-profit private enterprise. Mm-hmm. Where the cost they pay for services more that they'll pay at the regular. Again, inserting the middleman in order. So it's not about the money, right? You have to understand that when... Doug Ford comes around and says, I'm going to be, or I need to be a prudent fiscal manager. Mm-hmm. Th- that part is bullshit. That part is bullshit because he has no problem paying four times more for nurses than he would normally pay. If it first goes through a middleman who gets to cash in. And this he has, has been no proven paying more for the surgeries. Mm-hmm. If it happens to go to a middleman who charges more and can upsell you. He has no, so it's not about the money. Nope. Nope. It's not about being a prudent fiscal manager. When he's talking about salaries, it's always, nurses and it's always teachers that he goes to first as we said on the previous show because he's a misogynist mm-hmm. and thinks that women's worth work is not worth much doesn't need to be supported so it's not about the money it's not about the money he's got plenty of money he just plenty refuses to spend it on the public sure yeah that it goes through other hands first so he's actually putting in gatekeepers adding levels of bureaucracy mm-hmm well, here's another one for you. more government into your life. So like when we say the conservatives, there's nothing much more conservative about them anymore these days. This is proof. And the fact that they seem to have all these plans already ready to go shows the amount of time that they put into it. It's not like the situation just came up and they said, oh my God, we need to find a solution. Here it is. These plans have been really developed and they're all, they're being rolled out. Do you they're think running that, an right here. That must be the secret mandate letters that we still don't have access to. We've never right. seen them. And he's gone to court to keep them protected. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, as we say here, I've read that they're scheduling surgeries based on whether people will pay for upgraded surgeries like more expensive lenses and cataract surgeries. They'll probably, yeah, the the private for profit clinics will probably take those uh, first and will probably take the really, really, really easy cases. Of course. That they can just fix and, you know, and I mean, and you have to understand there are some economies to be gained by having, like, for example, an operating room that only does a limited number of services. You know, if you're only doing knees all day long, right? You don't have to prepare the operating room for whatever mm-hmm. could be coming in. You're just preparing it for the next one. And you can, right? You can pass more people through. And yes, it could probably help with a backlog, but you could probably do that with private not-for-profit clinics <laughs> or public not-for-profit public. clinics yes somewhere right but even if there were private not-for-profit clinics but this is private for-profit clinics of all the various places that you could go that's where you went, went directly for the one that has the middleman that takes the biggest cut and we already know this because the uh, staffing agencies that are staffing nurses are paying four times they're billing four times as much. Yep. And so Doug is paying it. They have the money. They've yep. got the money. They've got the money to, to, to actually scrap Bill 124 and give people a 5 or 6 or 7% increase. They've got it. They're spending it already. Mm-hmm. It's just, 
then it's not going through the hands they want it to go through. Their wealthy donors' hands first, where they get a bigger cut, a bigger yeah. slice of the pie. And and I read somewhere that uh, nurses and healthcare workers that are getting hired by these agencies are getting paid more per hour, mm-hmm. which probably very true. How much more? I don't know. I have no idea. But I guarantee you, they're not getting four weeks vacation, fifteen, a uh, ten or fifteen paid sick days, mental health days. They're not getting the benefits that they would get under the public system. Guarantee mm. you that. Also, I can probably guarantee you they're going to work them seventy, eighty hours a week, and the incentive is, well, look at how much more money you'll make. And mm-hmm. some people who are desperate will go that route. Yep, because money talks. Well, it's, it's bend you over a barrel politics. It's exactly what it is. I mean, and that's the conservative favorite position for the people is over a barrel bent over. And it's just, it's, I'm at, I'm at my wits end. I'm at my wits you. end with this guy. I had I some you. pretty dark thoughts about this guy the other day. I don't want to tell oh. you what I was thinking, but they were dark. I hear you. I hear you. And, and, you know, um, the only reason why I'm saying is like, don't do that. Don't go, go, don't, don't go there. It's just, you know, things get dark. They do. And we're not adverse to telling people to go run an ultra marathon off the world, off the world's shortest pier. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're not even averse to dropping the F bomb, but you know, we also want to, um, inform, be the source for this information for the people who are listening to us uh, that can bring a little calm, <laughs> a little temperance, a little sunshine if we can. Uh, we mock. We mock like crazy. Um, but I don't don't necessarily want us to be the show that, you know, who are we going to tell the F off today? <laughs> it's uh, But if there's one thing that's worth getting mad about, it's this. I would think so, yeah. It's this. It's this. I mean, we're fleecing grandma. We're fleecing grandpa. Uh, we're allowing people to die in ERs. We are, um, uh, in the name of prudent fiscal management, blowing money like drunken sailors so long as our friends get their cut. Uh, the last priority is actually on the service. Um, it's last on the care of the people. Um and it's happening in all domains. It's happening in education. It's happening in employment. Uh, you know, the support for union busting and all of that. Um, the policies are unpopular. The policy sources are unpopular. For some reason, they keep getting elected. Well, voter apathy? Because people stop caring. Uh, or so many people thought... You know, I, I truly believe that there's a portion of people that don't vote that don't vote believe, believing that, well, it doesn't matter who wins, right? The government always gets in, and no matter who gets in, I'm going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. But our governments used to run on what it is they wanted to do. <laughs> this guy ran on none of this. None of Just it. Just like he did in the first term when he changed city council, right? And we knew he wasn't going to be pro-environment, but we didn't know he was going to rip charging stations that had already been built out. Right. Right. So money that was already spent doing what it was supposed to be doing didn't harm anybody that it was there. But he was so against it, not only did he have to stop spending money on it, he had to waste money that was already spent and make sure that nobody can have it. Um, 
nobody ran nobody ran on those specific things. Mm-hmm. So this is a bait and switch. This is a bait and switch. And this is why you vote. This is why you don't go into an election assuming that no matter who wins, I'm going to be okay. Well, and- because nowadays, nowadays, the policy seems to be, again, not about, well, yeah, we might be doing this, but don't, don't, don't look at that. Look over here. Now we're just outright not going to say the crap we're going to do because we know we can't win on it. So we're going to say we're going to do all these things, and then we're going to come in, and then we're going to just drop this whole agenda that was already very much pre-thought and pre-planned mm-hmm. because, well, Hey, we have all the connections and we've already changed all the regulations behind the scenes to make that happen. How convenient. None of you knew about that, but we did. Well, and, and when you're talking about the, the, the voting public that thought, well, I'm not going to bother to vote. It won't harm me. Here's the problem. Here's what happens. A conservative says it hasn't happened to me, so I don't care. A liberal, and I don't mean liberal party member, a liberal says it should never happen to anyone and that's why I care. So we got to get the citizenry of the province of Ontario to vote en masse in the next election three and a half years from now, if any of us are still alive. Yeah, I'm a bit hyperbolic there, but there's a reason for it. People are going to die under this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And as Kit said, Lazy Sunday with Wade and Doe says, it's actually the opposite. People don't vote because they know it doesn't matter. They get screwed no matter who gets in. There's a portion of that, Mm -hmm. but there's also the portion of people who are so comfortable but it doesn't matter who they get in or what they do because they know they're going to be okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. And those are the one, those are the, those are the people we need to reach. Yes. And, or and let they're them thinking know. that they're thinking that, well, the government that comes in is not coming to hurt me. Mm. Just like Donald Trump at the gates. Well, the people at the mags with all the weapons are not coming to hurt me. Let them in. Yeah. Yes. But they're coming to hurt someone because you don't bring weapons unless you're planning to hurt someone. So maybe don't let them in at all. <laughs> Because it's not all about you. <laughs> mm. Pretty much similar situation here, right? Except I gotta, I gotta address you this. Gotta vote. You gotta vote. You gotta vote for the people in your life that you care about, who don't have as much as you do. Exactly. I have to address this comment from Lazy Sunday with Wade and Doe. The only policy in politics is to get the years in required to get the golden pension. Federally, yes. Provincially, there is no pension for. MPPs in the province of Ontario. None. Zero. That was eliminated by, of all people, Mike Harris. So there is no golden parachute. There is no golden handshake. There is no pension for members of provincial parliament in the province of Ontario. There hasn't been for almost 30 years. I know that comes as a surprise to a lot of people. But in Ontario, there's none. Zero. So, you know, when, when, like, so Randy Hillier, who is ousted, I don't know if he gets paid for the end of his term because he was elected, even though he's not rerunning. I, I can't, I'm not even sure what the deal is with him. Um, he would get some sort of package and that's it. He doesn't have a pension. He has no money coming in. So unless he heavily invested his uh, MPP salary over the last few years, he's going to be at the trough soon enough. Yep. And then we have a Kit BB here that says, need a general strike as soon as possible. I thought we were going there in Ontario. I really thought there, but, uh, uh, you know, that's what's happening in the UK at the moment for all intents Mm -hmm. and purposes. It's a rolling general strike that's going on. And, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people that are looking to the UK to see how the government does there. And if the government starts spending, uh, 
lot of good ideas spread like wildfire and uh, all they need to see it is have some success in one spot and it'll probably come here too. So uh, uh, let's hope that uh, the let's people hope. in the UK are showing us the way at the moment. Well, yeah. The, the, yeah. you know, here's what I, here, here's the, the one thing I'm hanging on to, right? The one thing I'm hanging on to, even though it's three and a half years away, this little tidbit, Buddha didn't actually say this quote, but I do love it. The dildo of consequences <laughs> rarely arrives lubed, Buddha. I know the Buddha didn't actually say that. Sounds like something he would have said, but Doug... Uh, modern Buddha. The modern Buddha. <laughs> Doug, you're in for a surprise in three and a half years. But we need to keep the public informed and aware of what is happening. I mean, when somebody yeah. says, you know, look, but, you know, they're building publicly funded, yeah, they're building publicly funded private for-profit programs. And, and let's not forget about, um, uh, what is it, Maple? Uh, what is, it? is it this one here? Yep. Yeah, here it is. Flush with pandemic profits, Loblaws is invested in Maple, a private company, a, a private Toronto company putting fee-paying patients at the front of the line for a physician visit. And Loblaws lawyers seem to have found a loophole in the Canada Health Act to do it legally. Get care twenty four seven. Get care in minutes twenty four seven. Paper visit sixty nine dollars. Membership thirty dollars a month. This is this is really disturbing because it is the slippery slope. Yep, it is. It is. It's the thin edge of the wedge. Yeah, pension is still available in Alberta for for uh, MLAs. Because in Alberta, it's MLA, not yeah. MPP, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, a little chippier news? Sure. You got something for me? Because I, I don't have yeah, anything. Yeah, I got some chippier stuff. All I right. got nothing. Uh, I have some Canadians who make us proud news. I have this, uh, though. For one, kids. one second. One second. I'm going to oh, okay. put this up real quick. I have this. With a little dollop of humor, anti-vaxxers are a dying breed. Okay, so let, let's go to what you got, brother. That's bad. That's bad. Well, I mean, as Betty Davis would say, uh, one should only say good things about the dead. He's dead. Good. Um. <laughs> I always heard that about Joan Crawford specifically. Well, yeah, yeah. People tell me that Joan Crawford's dead. Well, mother told me we should only speak good of the dead. Joan Crawford's dead. Good. Yeah, that, that, that would be Betty Davis. That would be Betty, yeah. Okay, Canadians who make us proud, please, sir. Um, Joni Mitchell will be the first Canadian recipient ever to win the prestigious Gershwin Prize. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Yes, yes. Yes. A little over a year after being celebrated at the Kennedy Center, Joni Mitchell will return to Washington for another Lifetime Achievement Honor, the Library of Congress's Gershwin Prize for Popular Song. Mitchell, 79, is widely regarded as among the greatest singer-songwriters of her time, with her best-known works including Chelsea Morning, Big Yellow Taxi, and Free Man in Paris. The prize honors artists who have made exceptional contributions to popular music in the spirit of the sibling songwriting team George and Ira Gershwin. Um, 
I thought that that would have happened a long time ago, but nope. Uh, she will be honored March 1st at a tribute concert airing March 31st on PBS stations. Uh, thank you, PBS. <laughs> and uh, Joni Mitchell was also honored as the Music Cares Person of the Year before last year's Grammys Awards. After nearly two decades away, she returned to the stage in July for the 22 Newport Folk Festival. Um, we showed a clip of that with uh, Brandy Carlisle and uh, I think is Winona Judd. Oh, no, Winona's the one who died, right? No, Na- I don't Naomi? Naomi, Naomi. Naomi died, Sorry. Winona's still alive. Right. Winona's still alive, yes. Um, so, but, uh, and, uh, and everybody was there, and she played, played a whole set and even broke out the electric guitar and played some. So, mm. you know, it was, uh, so yeah, way to go, Joni Mitchell, still uh, making us proud. And she's still at it, right? She's oh, still, yeah, I yeah. believe it. She's still recording. She's she's not in the best of health, but her voice is still very much there. Yeah, like when she, when she came out at the uh, Newport Jazz Festival with Brandy Carlisle, nobody expected her to perform. They mm-hmm. just thought she was just going to come out and wave to the crowd. And she ended up doing a, a full live set. And everybody was kind yeah. of like, holy shit. We're on There's the stage like with a legend. Or something, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, she still got it. She still got she it. still got it. Yeah. Uh, in other news about Canadians who make us proud, because, yeah, I'm a tennis nut and the Australian Open is on, I have mm-hmm. to I have to give a report. Um, the first round had a match against uh, Felix Ogielia-Sim and Vashik Pospisil, which broke my heart because I hate it when Canadians play each other the first round. Yeah, they uh, But it was one hell of a match. It went uh, four sets with uh, Vashik winning the first one six to one and sets two and three needing to go into a tie break, which Vashik lost four and three, so seven, four, seven, three. And then Felix finished him off. Uh, but uh, Vashik put up a pretty good fight. I think if you were playing anyone who weren't top 10 in the world, he might have won that match. <laughs> he was in fine form. Uh, Bianca Andrescu uh, had a great round one, uh, beating number 25 in the world, Maria Buskova. Uh, but then she had a flub in the second one, uh, losing to 100th in the world, uh, Carla Busca from uh, Spain. Um, she had won uh, the first set, but lost the second 7-9 in a tiebreak and then sort of just fell away in the third. Um, Leila Annie Fernandez won her uh, first round, and she had a tough one as well, because uh, if you're the top 32 in the world, you get seeded, and you are guaranteed to play someone lower. But if you're 33rd or 34th, for example, you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Leila Annie Fernandez, who is number 40 in the world, drew the number 34 in the world in the first round, which usually doesn't happen at <laughs> a grand slam. You're usually playing yeah. someone much lower. Uh, but uh, she was playing Elise Cornet of France, and she uh, beat her rather decisively, seven five six two. So that's a pretty convincing win. Denis Shapovalov won his first round in a four-set match and is currently on the court right now, leading two sets to zero. And uh, Felix won his second round match as well, so he's the first Canadian to go to the third round uh, earlier today. Uh took five sets as well. He lost the first two sets, 6-3, uh, 6-3 six, three, six, three before coming back. Um, and uh, Rebecca Marino uh, lost a match that she probably should have won because she was ranked a little higher against a Zhu from China. And Catherine Sebov, uh, who'd had this amazing run and this year, uh, having finishing last year winning a tournament in Auckland and then doing well in another one and then getting through the three rounds of qualifying here to make her first ever Grand Slam and 
the age of 24. Uh, unfortunately, uh, for all that success uh, in the draw, got to number four in the world, Caroline Garcia, mm. who has been on a tear for about eight months. So she lost that match 6-3-6-0. Well, but she made her first ever Grand Slam, and there's good things coming for her this year. Uh, she's probably going to get some, uh, you know, uh, wild cards and some invitations to some tournaments by virtue of having done that. So uh, hopefully that will uh, keep up. So our tennis players are doing well. None of the doubles uh, matches have started yet. Uh, but uh, so far we have, uh, we had seven Canadians go in and we have uh, four of them that are out already uh, with three still in there. Okay. So Fernandez is our only woman on the, on in singles left, and uh, Felix and uh, Denis Shapovalov are still there in uh, for the men's uh, competition for us. Uh, in skiing, uh, Marie Michel Gagnon, a veteran of our ski team, took a thirteenth place in the Super G at Saint Anton in Austria. So good for her. And Emma Lunder, who we spoke about at the beginning of the winter sports season, who had picked up a fourth, fourth place in a biathlon race in Finland, uh, got another top 10 with a ninth place at Ruppolding in Germany in the mass start event. And in some news sort of out of left field that nobody maybe would have expect, uh, Alexandria Lautit became the first Canadian to win a Women's World Cup ski jump event on Friday, taking gold at the Normal Hill competition. It feels totally surreal, Lautit said. It was the best feeling to see the one next to my name, and I'm also very happy that I'm not the only strong Canadian. Our result shows that it's not just pure luck. Now, Horst Bulau, if you're of mm-hmm. a certain age, name that you remember, Met was Horst. the last Canadian. Yes, was the last Canadian to win a World Cup men's ski jump event back in 1983. Yeah, I, 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 a friend of mine uh, knew Horst quite well, and I'd met Horst a number of times. And I remember the first time I met him, I went, oh, you're you're much tinier than I expected. <laughs> I didn't say that, but that was in my <laughs> head. So I'm like, oh, okay. Because you see somebody on TV, and you've got an image in your mind's eye of what that person is, and then you meet them, and like, oh, he, he's okay, yeah. Real nice fellow, though. And yeah, he was the last Canadian to win a, a medal in, in ski jumping. And... Uh, yeah. I saw her her performance the other day, and it was like, holy crap. That was something else, man. Way to go. Right. And women's ski jumping is a relatively uh, new sanctioned sport, right? Right. Because it wasn't up until, what, the last Olympics? I think it was the first time it was allowed in? Uh, Yeah, there was some at, at the Olympics in Vancouver, as but a I demonstration, I think. Demonstration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because so the, the, the the Canadian women athletes were leading the charge to try and get the full sanctioning in time for 2010, and it didn't happen there. So that's only 13 years ago. I mean, yeah. this is a new sport for the most part, right? Yeah, for, for, for women in terms at this level of competition. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the only other Canadian to win a World Cup's men's ski jump gold was Steve Collins back in 1980. Why don't I not recall that? Neither do I. I was 12, and I watched a lot of sports. I I remember the Lake Placid Olympics like it happened yesterday. I watched that Miracle on Ice game live. Oh, wow. Okay. So here's the funny thing. I turned on the TV. We were living in Gander, Newfoundland at the time, and uh, that was the only thing on, it seemed, right? So I'm like, Team USA, Team Russia, oh, yeah, this should go over well. They're going to get blown out like 14 to nothing. And by the end of the first period, I'm like, 
this is a game. So I sat and watched the whole thing, and I sat there, you know, mouth agape. How, how did they do? It is a miracle. It is a miracle. A bunch of college kids beat the best all-star team on earth. I'll never forget it, man. Yep. Yep. Excuse me a second. I need to call. Okay, you can do that. Uh, hit the mute button. Good man. There we go. Yep, I did that. Um, and let's see, what else do we have for you on that one? Um, so Lautit uh, had two fourth place finishes earlier this season. So it's kind of, this was kind of coming. She won Olympic bronze last year at the inaugural mixed team ski jumping event at the Beijing Games as well. That was a pedal that came out of nowhere. Uh, that was a big surprise for us. The last Canadian to reach the World Cup women's ski jump podium was Calgary's Taylor Henrik, who had two third place finishes in 2015. And a uh, Canadian uh, finished 11th in the same event uh, that Lautit won gold. So it was a good result for Canada all all the way through. Um, I was trying to find her name here for a second, but I lost it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, hold on, I think I have it here. Uh, Abigail Strait was her name. She finished 11th. Is her name, I should say, not was. <laughs> and then, of course, congratulations goes to our women's uh, junior hockey Team, the under 18s uh, defeated Sweden 10 to 0 in the final to win back to back women's junior world hockey championships and uh, their seventh title total. Uh, and the USA defeated Finland uh, for the bronze uh, in that tournament. Uh, there's also a tournament going on at the moment uh, called the Universiad Games. Uh, and in that one, uh, they're still in uh, round play and group play, and Canada uh, is uh, at the top of the standings in both men's and women's competition. Uh, so go Canada, go there. And finally, uh, for people who like golf, at the PGA Sony Open Hawaii Club, Classic Canadians Nick Taylor uh, finished seventh, and Corey Connors, not related, however, uh, finished twelfth. And at the Corn uh, Ferry Tour Bahamas Great Exuma Classic, Will Bateman finished eleventh. So there's a whole bunch of Canadians doing some good stuff for us, bringing honor to our country. Way to go, go Canada, go! Yay! Yeah, but don't celebrate yeah. with a drink. <laughs> no, no. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's, uh, uh, yes. According, ahead, this this is a that. BBC article, and I thought it was interesting to get their take on it. In Canada, it should be dry January all year round, according to a new national recommendations um, that say zero alcohol is the only risk-free approach. If you must drink at all, two drinks maximum each week is deemed low risk by the government-backed guidance. The advice is a steep drop from the previous recommendation published in 2011. Those guidelines allowed a maximum of 10 drinks a week for women and 15 drinks for men. The new report funded by Health Canada also suggested mandatory warning labels for all alcoholic beverages. The main message from this new guidance is that any amount of alcohol is not good for your health, said Aaron Hoban, a senior scientist with Public Health Ontario and a member of the expert panel that developed the guidelines. And if you drink, less is better. Well, I'm not going to call any of that into question. I wholeheartedly completely agree with it don't know if I'll necessarily observe it, but I do agree with it. Um, 
I like a pint. I like a glass of wine. I like a glass of whiskey. Sometimes I do have too much. I am well aware of that. And if somebody challenges me to do a dry period, I, <laughs> you're going to lose because I can do it. I'm, I don't have an addiction to alcohol. I like it. I like the taste of it. I enjoy it. I help. I like how it makes me relax. But if somebody was to wager a certain amount of money with me and said, you can't do it for a year, I'll take your money because I can. I've yeah. done it before. I'll do it yep. again. Yep. yep. And, Similar here. And, and, and I will say, and it is true, when I've done the dry periods, I've done three and six months once, and never nobody ever challenged me to a year, but I won each one. Uh, and, and they're like, how are we going to know? And you didn't. I go, because I... I'm incapable of being dishonest about something like this. If I lose the bet, I'll come out and say, yeah, I had a drink Friday. Here's the money I owe you. Um, but the thing is this, when I've done those, yeah, I slept better. I felt better. I looked better. I was always in a better mood. I mean, all of the benefits of not consuming, consuming alcohol are real and valid and true. All of them. But I, I'm still going to have a beer. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, no, it's the same thing. Uh, and uh, people are reacting to this like it's new. Uh, it's not. But if you would click on the, the share screen, Miss Grizzly, mm -hmm. uh, we actually mentioned this on the show in early October, or because on September 30th, uh, that's when the news came out. And, of course, Brian Lilly was the first one to rush to write some type of thing, apparently, you know, yelling that it was the nanny state that was saying, you know, that you can't have your beer anymore. So first they were coming for your burgers, and now they're coming for your beer, essentially. And uh, nobody picked up on that, really. Yeah. I did. but uh, uh, And then, um, so, yeah, basically it's a October 1st uh, tweet uh, of mine uh, on the True North Eager Beaver uh, feed, so True Eager at uh, Twitter, uh, that says so much wrong with Brian here. He tries to portray this as a government cabal controlling you on a whim to be tyrannically pure, when the truth is it's the combined work of and there you go all the scientific organizations mm -hmm. <laughs> that participated in this. Right? So it's uh, basically they're learning that uh, basically from the second, more than two drinks a week, essentially, uh, increases the odds uh, that you will have uh, certain diseases uh, like cancers, for example. Uh, now, he tries to equate this back at the time that telling the public they are at a greater risk of cancer or dying from an accident if they consume more than two alcoholics drinks a week is ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous. It is the truth. It's, it's, it's a fact. It is a fact. It's a fact. It's, look, it's just a fact. It's, and it's what you want, what, what you choose to do with that information is up to, That's you. Up to you because we live in a free country and yes, you are allowed to make decisions, even ones that go against your health. Like for example, not getting vaccinated. There are just consequences. Smoking so a cigarette. nobody's going to make you an alcohol, for example, that you can drink all you want and it probably will not lead to some type of cancer. Nobody's going to make that for you. So don't grab and go and go, don't go in your trucks and come to Ottawa and start protesting now because government's not guarantee you and you alcohol free of consequences when they're telling you that maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't. As much as you do. Maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. For your health. Yeah. Just, just, just don't. Right. Because it's pretty much the same dynamic. Mm -hmm. Pretty much the same dynamic. Yes, and BB goes, bars are safe consumption sites. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, uh, safe is kind of, eh, you've had more, like, nobody's died at a safe consumption site yet. Mm. It's for injectable drugs. Mm. 
people have died <laughs> leaving yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey i I've been in a city where in some places, if you look at someone's girl the wrong way after having a few too many, you end up stabbed. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been to those cities. I've been to those pubs. So, yeah. And let's let's not forget, um, one of the things that was brought in legislation in the last number of years, and a lot of lawyers got really concerned, uh, it was like, anybody who serves alcohol will be held responsible for anything a drunk person does afterwards. Mm-hmm. So if you had a backyard barbecue and you had beer or wine, or coolers, or whiskey, or any type of alcohol, and somebody drove away and harmed someone, you're held responsible. I'm like, wait a second here. I didn't hold the person down and pour the liquor down their throat, but you served it to them. Now, I had a, I had a bin full of beer. It was a help yourself. Mm-hmm. I didn't serve anybody. They served themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, where's personal responsibility here in this is, is what I'm getting at. Yeah. And yeah, they and lawyers were really concerned about that legislation being passed because they're like, if that happens, that's an end to public gathering. Mm-hmm. Period. I mean, I I get where the people are going with it, but what about personal responsibility? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Have make an informed decision. This is an informed decision. Having more than two drinks a week is not healthy. What you do with that information is up to you. I got to go. I got to go. Yep, absolutely. I'm be late. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, kids, that's the end of this episode of uh, Just a Nibble, the Not Quite Daily Beaver podcast. We hope you love listening to this because we love making this for you. Uh, because democracy is something you do. If you can roll up your sleeves for the Red Cross or him at Quebec, uh, please do. They are, um... <laughs> oh, kids, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> what you're saying in the chat here <laughs> I don't think <laughs> Safe is doing a lot of lifting here I don't think someone should be responsible for someone else's decisions but I'm good if I offer cocaine <laughs> kids seriously um, uh, so yeah if you can roll up your sleeves because blood it's in you to give and they're low on platelets and O negative blood in particular if you really like this podcast you can find us on the Dean Bloodell Network as well as anywhere you get all your podcasts featuring a grizzly, grizzly bear and a beaver i'm trying to do this too fast now please share the podcast we love your feedback we're on facebook twitter our email is true north eager beaver at gmail.com our twitter feed is at true eager and on facebook you can find us at the true north eager beaver also our youtube channel true north eager beaver media please subscribe we need your help so that we can monetize this thing uh, if you never want to miss an episode uh you can subscribe to us via our pod page podpage.com slash the true north eager beaver with the hyphen between each one of those words uh we have a new flagship show for you episode number 33 called defense 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 it is not available on video uh the flagships we record on their audio exclusives so please make sure that uh, you get that and on uh, this coming saturday around 2 p.m eastern we will be having our monthly uh, pub chat uh our where i'm gonna have more than politics. two drinks <laughs> probably no politics just a friendly conversation and uh you know relaxed chill time so please join us if you can uh if you really like this podcast and wish to encourage us to do more we work for tips uh please buy a 
picked a Guinness for Mr. Grizzly here or a cup of or Caesar for me at our coffee page, ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver, all in one word. That's coffee, ko-fi.com slash eagerbeaver. And thank you, Kit Linda, for having sent us a wonderful and very generous tip. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And finally, if you'd rather get something for your money because you're a savvy shopper and you like a good deal, we have merch. We have something for everybody in sizes small to 3XL, a total of six designs. Get your Mr. Grizzly Civics tees or your Eager Beaver, well, podcast tees and let people know that you are informed wearing those tees and where, you know, and getting our merch increases your ability to maintain your New Year's, your New Year's resolutions by 22.3%. I said 19.2 last show, but it was actually 22.3. It's gone up. It's gone up. Yeah. I have to double check the information. Yes, yes. Being informed has never been more fashion. Go to deanblundell.square.site slash s slash shop to get yourself some fabulous today. Let people know that you're an engaged citizen. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver saying, until next time, dear kids, it could be a tough world out there. So as the blight board behind you says, be kind to and gentle with yourself. And Mr. Grizzly, do you have some words of wisdom for us? Yes. Remember to breathe. Try and do your best to show gratitude everywhere you can and contain your rage as much as possible. Otherwise, you'll blow up like I do. And that's not that's necessarily it. good. Channel it. Channel, Channel it. it. Channel it. <laughs> Don't contain it. You're going to burst. Well, uh, you do need to let the steam off. Yes, yes. Uh, thank you to Kit Linda. That's an excellent flagship episode. Everyone should listen to it. We really appreciate that. And uh, thank you to uh, Kit uh, BB who said something, I believe, in the chat about uh, the... Oh, your commentary is very inviting, fellas. Thank you for your beauty morning gift. Well, thank you so very much as well. Uh, and I believe someone liked uh, the sports report too there. So uh, thank you for that as well. All right, Mr. Grizzly, roll the credits, please. The True North Eager Beaver podcast is an Eager Beaver Mr. Grizzly collaboration. Research, story, and guest curation and copy written by the Eager Beaver. Recording, production, editing, and additional research by Mr. Grizzly. Music courtesy of Ben Sound Royalty Free Music. Once again, thank you to our founding sponsors, The Peppermaster, The Miss Fee Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing and CanadianTarot.com. And thank you to Pete Jarvis for our artwork. We love it. Kits, we'll talk to you real soon. Bye. Take care. Uh, and I just found it. It was Kit South Stands TFC that said the sports update is awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, sir. Have a great day, Kits. Take care. Bye. You are listening to a True North Eager Beaver media podcast. The True North Eager Beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors, the Miss V Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, your source for science fiction, fantasy, and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters. CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and the Peppermaster, Hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind.
Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com.